0: Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word with Circle of Friends podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, with this Discipleship Series for Wednesdays. We are working our way through the minor prophets of the Old Testament in a Old Testament survey. Um, and so welcome for joining. Um, if you're jumping in here as your first podcast, there is over a year's worth of content in front of you, well, actually behind you, um, behind these podcasts. And if you look for the Wednesdays, it is a complete series where we've kind of been walking through. The first, uh, one, the 100 series is a kind of an explanation of how we got the Bible and why we can trust it and where it came from. And the 200 series is Old Testament Survey. And so after this, uh, my plan is to... Uh, maybe talk about a couple key topics in between, but then I'm going to jump into the New Testament survey and we'll walk through the New Testament. Um, and so we've talked about the major divisions of the Old Testament I would encourage you to backtrack maybe start at the beginning of the series and walk your way through Um, but keep in mind they're every Wednesday and we actually have three days of content in total so we have Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Our Mondays are a um, wonderful round the table. Uh, We invite people in, talk about topics and all kinds of things and then Fridays are remakes of old radio archives and so we reconfigure them to make podcasts Um, and so it's kind of nice you'll hear people from way back in the day and some not so uh, old but along the way Um, and so we kind of try to do a good variety of those and so if you've been a faithful listener for a while you might hear some episodes that maybe you missed but some that maybe oh yeah I heard this I heard this once Um, and so it just kind of created a library here for you guys if you will um all right, so that said, let's jump into the book of Amos. We do know a little bit more about Amos, but let's get our who, what, when, where, and uh, the why written in. So, and again, like I like to do with this, in uh, somewhere in near uh, the beginning of the book of Amos, you can write down your who. Uh, the who of this is the the person of Amos. He is called to be a prophet, and one of the things we know about him comes out of verse one. Sometimes we get some background on the uh, one that God calls to be a prophet, the message that he gives them, uh, and sometimes we don't get a lot of details. Sometimes we get a time frame based on who was king at the time, and sometimes we don't. In the book of Amos, uh, we know that he was among the sheep herders from an area called Tekoa, um, And so that would have been a very specific area. And to learn more about the context, what do we do? Well, we would look up and see if there's any biblical significance to the area of Tacoa. Well, one of the things that we find with Tacoa is that it's known for, guess what? Sheep herders. Just like this says. We also know that it's kind of roughly um, within six to nine miles of Bethlehem, Jerusalem area, which Bethlehem was in the area that was known for sheep and specifically for the Passover lamb. That's something that this past Christmas season I... um, Listened to some podcasts from uh, the pod for Israel and they were talking about the Passover lamb coming from that area um, and the the extra care that was taken to raise a Passover lamb because remember that Passover lamb had to be blemish blemish free no broken bones it there were just all kinds of things that were very specific to that lamb no spot no blemish no anything Um, and if you if if The whole no broken bones thing should come to mind because Jesus on the cross did not have his legs broken, uh, so that it could be said that he did not, not a hair, not a bone of him was broken. Um, And it's part because he becomes the Passover lamb for us. Uh, He becomes that sacrifice that pays for our sins. Okay. So um, basically, Tekoa, we looked up a, a couple of things on Tekoa. There's. Basically it's known for sheep. it's kind of a wilderness area, that kind of thing um and so this would have given you the idea of where he's coming from. now, we know he's a shepherd, which would tell you that there probably wasn't a whole lot of education you know it, it's not like he was a rabbi or you know uh trained as a priest or anything like that um and so this is kind of your average Joe he's kind of like the plumber. <laughs> um and so very much a blue collar type job uh for the nation of israel they wouldn't have been people that many would want to socialize around they kind of hung out in the the bush and and just kind of in the countryside quite a bit and so when they came to town they'd smell and they'd usually have sheep with them and um you know that kind of a thing so not your most popular person in town so to speak um So basically, Amos is an average Joe until the word of the Lord comes to him. And so the words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he envisioned the visions concerning Israel in the day of Uzziah, the king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel— Um, And so we've got, what, the divided kingdom. We have the northern king and the southern king listed two years before the earthquake. And so we have a very specific time frame uh, for this day and age. So in other words, when people would open the scroll of Amos, they would know exactly where he was from, what he did for a living, and who was king in both the north and the southern kingdoms. And also we have a very important um earthquake that happens so we would have had a very key feature to be able to tie to for the people of that day they would have known oh well that was in bc blah 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 you know they would have known the day and the time of that um very specifically so for us Let's let's talk time. Um, and so they would have known that this would have been somewhere between 760 BC and 753 BC. And so just to give you kind of that uh, comparison, um, at about 590 is when Israel is destroyed. So this is about 100, 150 years before Uh, Israel's destroyed, the walls are destroyed, the temple's destroyed, all of that. And the people are exiled for that 70 years, okay? So we're pre-that, okay? Now, the thing that's interesting about the book of Amos is that um, there's judgment about the surrounding neighbors that are focused on here. We haven't seen that up to this point, and we're not going to see that a whole lot after this. Um, And so there very much is a... Uh, almost like a stanza repeat with a different uh, city or country, um, a nation surrounding Israel. Um, and, and so it's almost reads as a rhythm or a poem. And so the same thing is repeated almost word for word. And then uh, the, the nation is changed out. Okay, so we're going to start and just kind of walk our way through these. So uh, this kind of repetition starts in verse 3. You can highlight verse 6, verse 9. And so you can almost feel it, like every three verses, right? Um, And then in 11, we get another one. And then uh, verse 13. 13 is Amnon so let's go ahead and start we um, the first country is Damascus and so it would be really awesome when you're going through this to kind of make lists so put the country at the top and then what are some of the things that are listed for each specific one so let's go in and kind of talk about these a little bit um it might be good to pause and go get a map out Um, You know, you can always Pinterest and look up a map of the area at the time. I would definitely do one about the time of the Divided Kingdoms um, just because that's your culturally appropriate time frame for the Book of Amos. Um, And so that can be incredibly helpful to kind of look at these. But if, if you're looking at a compass, basically we've got all around Israel, and then it moves, and then God moves into the nation of Israel north to south. And so, okay, so let's go ahead and start, but the one thing I want you to notice is like in each of these things, there's there's a pattern that God uses, so this is... And sorry, I'm going to pause and just tell you, we've got construction noise. We're going to record right through it. So this might be a fun episode. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, so if we look at at verse 3, thus says the Lord is the first statement that lets you know you've got a little section here. For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Okay, that sentence is repeated almost word for word in every single one of the next several examples that's laid out here. So all the way through chapter 2, verse six is the last one okay and i want you to notice that um when this scroll would have been originally written the book of amos it did not have chapter and verses like we know them okay that is something that was put in later to help find a verse in these scrolls okay so for amos he might not have wanted the book divided where chapter two starts um because it continues the same theme all the way through verse eight of chapter two and so for him it might have stopped more at verse nine would have been the next paragraph um and so one of the things that most study bibles will have is that your numbers will be bold when there is a natural paragraph change or a main idea change within Scripture. Um, And so it's very helpful when you're studying a book or a chapter to look for where your dark numbers are, because that's probably a shift in what the script, the text is doing. Okay? Um, And so most people, I'll be honest, I think I was probably... 40 before I realized that so understand that's a relatively new understanding of uh what's in front of me on on my bible page um so if you didn't know that don't feel bad I didn't either <laughs> um Okay, so all that said, when you read through a book, you need to think in terms of this would have been one continuous scroll for them. There wouldn't have been verses broken down. There wouldn't have been chapters like we know them, okay? Um, So, let's go ahead and look. So, we've got this pattern. For three transgressions of a certain place, or for four, I will not revoke, and then it'll go on. It's punishment, and then it'll say why, it'll say what, that kind of thing. So, um, the first one we've got is Damascus, and Damascus is northeast. Of Jerusalem. And what you need to kind of understand is if you think about this, um, God really kind of used Jerusalem as like the center point when he talks about the nation of Israel as a whole. Um, and then he will also do, you know, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, so on and so forth. But for most of the biblical writers, that's pretty consistent where Jerusalem is kind of your center and then it kind of moves out from there. All right, so Damascus is northeast of Jerusalem. Um, you've got Gaza down in verse six that is southwest. So we've literally gone diagonal on our little compass. And then we've got Tyre, which is straight north, and we have Eden, which is straight, sorry, Edom, which is straight south. Um, we have Amnon, that is straight east of Jerusalem. And then we go in chapter two, we go to Moab, which is southeast. Uh, And then we do the divided kingdom of Jerusalem in verse four and six. So we've got for the transgressions of Judah, which is that southern kingdom, and then for Israel, which is the northern kingdom. Okay, so that takes us pretty much all the way through um, chapter one and chapter two with a very clear uh, structure. Um, And so it's important to kind of notice those. And then what you get for the rest of chapter three is you get the mention of the Amorites. And then you've got the Nazarites who would have been people groups in the area, but maybe didn't have like a specific town. They would have maybe been more nomadic in their, um, in kind of their structure and setup. Okay. Chapter three starts out with, Uh, all of the tribes of Israel kind of lumped together as a whole and how they're guilty. Okay, so does this make sense? Um, Kind of how we're doing it, I hope. Um, Let's back out a little bit and let's talk about outlines because uh, what we got here is I would almost say chapter one and chapter two are the neighbors being punished um, and then focusing in on Israel being punished as well. So um, you can put down for chapter 1 and for part of chapter 2, Neighbors Punished. Um, And then for 2 through 8, Israel's Destruction, kind of explained and explored. And then chapter 9, just like the setup in most of these prophetic books, there is future hope. There's some kind of glimmer of hope that the people are left with. Um, And I really want you to see that as God's love and his mercy. The Old Testament is full of mercy moments where God almost holds up a mirror and says, this is where you're falling short. This is where you've fallen away. This is where you are adulterous with me. Um, Come back, purify, um, bring yourself back into alignment. And then this uh, warning for the punishment that will come and then the hope that will sit. Um, even though they will have to go through the punishment. So it's kind of beautiful how you will see that theme all the way through the prophets. Um, and I think, you know, growing up, I remember people talking about the Old Testament like God is cold and he's harsh, and um he's just really just sticks it to his people and uh, to the surrounding nations. And you know, there's not a lot he's not a loving God in the Old Testament. I have come to understand that that was probably one of the biggest misrepresentations of God that was given to me from my growing up years Um, so I've come to read the Old Testament seeing over and over and over how many times God begs people to come back into a covenant relationship with him where he begs them to put aside their adultery or um, their sin or their rebellion and come back to him and worship with a free heart Uh, and blessings promised. And um, every single one of the times where God says, come back because something bad's going to happen, is a moment of mercy that you're offered. Um, And so all through the Old Testament, we see people literally uh, digging their way in defiance through those mercy moments, going, God, I will not. I do not want. I'm not doing it. And so you see God fulfilling his promise With the punishment and then all of a sudden the people are broken they repent and they come back kind of sounds like the book of judges uh, and that pattern that was seen within the people with every single judge being the one to kind of bring them back into fellowship with the Lord okay so um that kind of brings us through Amos let me make sure I didn't miss anything oh we didn't do our key verse okay our key verse is Amos 5 verse 14 Um, And it says, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is. Um, Okay, so with this one, did we cover the why? I don't think we did. So I'm going to say the why too. To accuse and judge Israel for injustice and a lack of mercy. Um, And so that one's a little bit different. But to get um, some of those the who, what, when, where, and why, I do go with Rose Publishing's book, uh, the uh, Bible Charts, Maps, and Timelines, because I like most of the time I agree with them on how they divide up the chapters and so on and so forth. And so, understand with the rest of this book, um, from chapters 3 through 8, we have Israel's Destruction Promised, and there's a lot of cool things in here. Okay, Um, so just to kind of, I guess, highlight a couple of things at this point, and I'm going to leave quite a bit for you guys to just dive in and explore, because I don't want this to be exhaustive. I want this to be a teaser, um, because the heart of this is always to inspire you guys to go sit in scripture, to, you know, really just sit in those books and plop yourself in the middle of the context of what's going on, those kinds of things. So, um, but the one thing I'm going to add for, uh, For chapter 5, basically one of the biggest things God has against the nation of Israel is that they've forsaken the character and the holiness of God. Um, And so as you go through that chapter, you can kind of see that um, in its themes. Um, Chapter 6 uh, it starts out with kind of this woe, this kind of poem, um, and sometimes in a study scripture you can kind of see that they'll change the format of the text a little bit to let you know that this would have either been a poem or a song or something along those lines, um, because those would be sections that are written a little different. And so, uh, basically, with uh, with that one, you know, they're going to talk about. Uh, different things. But in chapter 6, verse 2, the places that are listed there are actually huge city centers. And so, uh, there 's kind of a comparison going on. This is the fun stuff that when you look up some of these places you 'll find out things like that that if you just kind of peruse through they 're just names of places, and so they don 't have any significance to you um, and so But for the audience that would have received amos 's message from the Lord and would have been reading the scroll, they would have understood these places, these towns, things that would have happened in these places. And so just like we talked about at the beginning, to know that he was a sheep herder from Tokoa would have meant something. They would have known some of the historical stuff that happened in Tokoa, who came from So some of those kind of places. And so it doesn't necessarily give you maybe a different insight into the book of Amos. But it gives you what the Hebrew brains would have been thinking when they hear that he was from Tekoa, or you know, when places like Hamath the Great or Gath of the Philistines would have been mentioned. um, They would have had a very specific context for that. And this is where, if we're going to be faithful to the word, you look up those places and you really kind of try to capture the mindset of the audience who would have been reading and listening to this. Um, Okay, so down in chapter 6, verse 7, you have some consequences that are kind of falling in place. Um, And verse 8 is just beautiful to me. The Lord God has sworn by himself that he is the standard on which he's swearing. The one who changes not, the one who is always existent, the Alpha and the Omega. The God of hosts has declared I love, loathe the arrogance of Jacob and detest his citadels. Therefore, I will deliver up the city and all its contents. Um, and so you have this major, major moment of emphasis. When you see stuff like that, stop and just sit in the wording. Sit in the significance of that and realize that, you know, this is God saying, swearing by himself that he hates, loathes the arrogance of Jacob, you know, and then maybe ask the Lord, Lord, do I have arrogance I need to get rid of? You know, something like that would be how you sit in a moment in one of these Old Testament passages where you're asking the Lord, do I have the sins that you're, that you're discussing here? Are they a part of my world and my life? And what do I need to do with them? In some places, the Lord's straight up telling us what to do with them. If you go back to chapter 5, verse 14, seek good and not evil that you may live. That's our theme verse for this, for this section. Um, Okay, so how many of us are seeking out things that we know are evil? And just what we watch in television, you know, I mean, that would be ways of just sitting and going, Lord, are there areas where I am seeking out things that are evil or am I seeking out things that I know are good and favorable and right? Um, in your eyes. Um, And so just making that choice that if I'm going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to walk stubbornly, heart set, determined with the heart of Daniel, um, where Daniel determined that he was going to walk faithful to the covenant of the Lord. That would be some examples of just ways to use some of these more obscure, smaller Uh, prophetic books that can be hard to connect with um, and hard to really glean out of. So that would be my encouragement for you Um, there's some funny stuff in the end of chapter six that you would totally miss over if you didn't look up. Um, there's a mention to, of a, a city called Lodabar and it's a play on words. Um, and you know, this would be something that I picked up in a sermon somewhere and I wrote it in the margins because when I'm going back through the book of Amos, I may not remember what was said about Lodabar, but it was a fun thing that kind of leads to some significance in a text. So, or in a passage that's here. So I write those kinds of things in the passage. So Lodabar is a city that they had conquered at the time. And Lodabar actually means nothing. Um, And so the play on words here is that you're rejoicing in nothing (laughs) Um, in verse 13. So, I mean, literally just the idea here, you're rejoicing in nothing. They had conquered the city. um, And it's like... The word above it, wormwood, is worthlessness. Um, you know, and so this idea of their rejoicing in emptiness is kind of the idea of what's going on here. Um, and so, you know, to really dive into a passage, sometimes looking up those words can really open an understanding that the audience would have naturally had. Um, And so, in any case, I am going to leave you guys there. That's just some bits and fun pieces. Again, chapter 9 is that hope that they're being left with at the close of the book. Um, And this is about 100, 150 years before that 70-year exile into Babylon. Um, And so, this would have been one of the scrolls that would have been taken with the Hebrew people when they were pulled over to Babylon. So this would have been one of the scrolls that Daniel was reading and studying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the wisdom from these books would have been some of the foundation pieces that when you see the wise men in the biblical story— it would have come from that area of Babylon. And so you need to understand the Old Testament beautifully comes together just like that. So how did those wise men know about that star and know about the things that were happening in the heavens? Because the Old Testament scrolls were taken in the exile back to Babylon. All right, thanks for joining me. That's what I got for today. And next time we will start the book of Obadiah.